Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's look to God in prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. What a mighty word it is. How, Lord, it teaches us about you, how wonderful you are. It shows us our need, how much we need you. It shows us the path to come to God. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Help us this morning to, Lord, absorb, to feast upon it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Let's see, Genesis, Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Now, that's the verse we're going to cover this morning. Now, I know what you're thinking. Again. <laughs> Again. <laughs> but, you know, two weeks ago, we arrived on this first verse here in Genesis 15, and we've parked here. We've just parked here on this verse and the last, for the last couple of weeks, and we've done that because really, this isn't the first time, it won't be the last time, that we stay a while. And so you could ask the question, you know, so why is this verse different from all other verses, like Passover, you know? Or why do we spend so much time on this verse? Well, the answer is we spend so much time on verses like this because there was an important pattern that was revealed to us when we began our study in the book of Genesis. And it really started in the first verse. And I always like to turn to that verse because it's the easiest verse to find in the Bible. So if you look at Genesis 1-1, you can't miss it. Uh, Where it's such a remarkable... When you step back and you look at Genesis 1 which just has a little bit of interest to us because of the Creation Museum. But when you look at it, and it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so, really, that's a summary verse. When it says God created the heavens and the earth, that's a summary verse. And really, the summary verse, there's an unwritten part that's right at the end of that verse, and it's really, the unwritten part is details to follow, (laughs) okay? So really, it could be like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, details to follow. And that's what we have in the next chapter is is the details that followed. And the first detail that we saw when we studied this is the first part of the second verse in the Bible where there's a detail about a very important, very interesting, intermediate stage or step in the creation of the world, which reads like this, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Now, that's an important detail for us, given to us about an intermediate step 
in God's work of creating the earth. Now, eventually, the earth, we know, is going to become marvelous. It's going to finally turn out to be a wonderful place. But this little detail is an interesting detail because it's an unusual intermediate step that was called out for us in the creation of the world. And in that detail of that intermediate step of the creation of the world, there are three descriptions of the earth as it was in this intermediate step. And it says here that, first of all, the earth was just without form, or it was a worthless place. It was a place of no order. In other words, in this intermediate step, the earth was not useful. It was good for nothing. Then it says that the earth was void, or it was an empty place. In other words, in this intermediate step that God has chosen for there to be this intermediate step, and then God has chosen to call this out to us as an important detail, this was a place that was not doing anyone any good because it was an empty place. And then the earth, it says, was in a state of darkness, or it was a place of no light. In other words, in the intermediate step, there was a place that there was no light. There was no light there. So these details that were given to us in this second verse of the Bible here were that the earth was in this intermediate step during the creation where it was disordered, where it was empty, where it was a dark place. And have you ever asked the question, have you ever considered why in the world did God choose to create the world with this intermediate step where the world was a terrible place of disorder, of emptiness, and darkness. I mean, God is God. He didn't have to do it that way. And whatever he wants, he can do in the creation of the world. He didn't have to have this intermediate step here of the world being this terrible place of disorder and emptiness and darkness. I mean, the creation of light wasn't that way. I mean, light didn't go through an intermediate step where it wasn't quite right, you know, at first. And then it got perfected. I mean, God spoke, and he said, there was, he said, let there be light. And like that, there was light. It was perfect. And you remember that the Lord Jesus Christ healed many people. But there was one man that went through this intermediate step where his blindness wasn't totally healed. We read about that in Mark 8, 23 through 25, where it says, he took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the town, and when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught, and he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. And after that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. Now, why was that intermediate step of all the healings that he had done of, of blind men why did he have to go to for another session, you know, another treatment? I mean, you know, that was God. I mean, you know, what was it that there was a lot of healing on that day, and God just got tired, and he said, yeah, I forgot something. I'm sorry, but come on back. I'll try it again, <laughs> like doctors. Because the reason that happened with that blind man is because there was a teaching reason behind it why that blind man went through that intermediate step. It wasn't totally healed. It was to teach us. It was to show us something. It wasn't to show us that God slipped up in healing that man, but it was to teach us something. And in the same way, it did not have to take God six days to make the heavens and the earth. You know, someone says, you know, an evolutionist says, you know, I can't believe the earth and the cosmos were made in as short as only six days and then the creationist says, I can't believe God it took as long as six days <laughs> to make the heaven and the earth. But he could have just said with one sentence, let there be a universe with a sun and a moon and stars, and let there be a world with seas and dry lands and grasses and trees and animals and birds and fish, period. 
And as soon as he said period, just like that, it all would have been in place with no intermediate steps. So as soon as he would have said that, the world would have been created perfectly, wonderfully, none of this intermediate steps of disorder and emptiness and darkness. No, 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 no. He just had to say it and it would have been done. Perfect, wonderful, full of order, full of life, full of life from the get-go, done, boom, accomplished, finished. But not this intermediate step. But God didn't do that. He didn't do that. He chose to have this intermediate step here in the creation of the world where the world was a terrible place of disorder and void, emptiness and darkness. And then he chose to call it out to us as in a detail, an important detail that we need to know. You know, that's, that's how God deals with us. We are on a need-to-know basis. <laughs> that's with God. And God decides what we need to know. And God has put everything we need to know right here in this book. This is the book, and God says you need to know everything in that book. So he's put together the Bible, and really what the Bible is, God's choice of what we need to know. So we need to know everything in God's need-to-know book, the Bible. And so the fact that there is actually this intermediate step during the creation when the earth was this place of emptiness and darkness and voidness is a detail that we need to know. Okay. So we saw in this intermediate step that the earth was this terrible place. Described it, it's described here, disorder, emptiness, darkness. And that's an important point. Now, wait a minute. Then he goes on. Then we see another important detail in verse 2 where it says, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So that important next detail is another thing that we need to know. Because during this intermediate step, when the earth was a terrible place of disorder, emptiness, and darkness, the Spirit of God hovers. And we looked at this before, Mirakefet. He hovers over there from Rakaf. He's hovering over this one part of the earth, this is the waters, in its terrible state. And then following this hovering that God does, this Rakaf, over this one part of the earth in its terrible state of its disorder and emptiness and darkness, this terrible section of the earth, the waters, it starts to get fixed by God. And so that's important to focus on, that the problems that which are called out for us of the disorder and of the emptiness and of the darkness, those three problems start to get fixed by God. And those three problems, the detailed out for us and the fixing of them is what the whole rest of the chapters are about. One detail, the earth was a terrible place because the earth was in darkness. That was a darkness problem. And that darkness problem was fixed by God. So the detail of how God fixed the darkness problem we saw in verse 3 God fixed the darkness problem with the creation of light with his words let there be light another detail that was called out for us was a terrible place that lacked order and so that was a disorder problem and the disorder problem we see is fixed by God as he makes the uh, he separates the dry land from the sea and makes the moon and the tides and the stars etc etc so now he's got order another detail was the earth was a terrible place because it was empty and that was an emptiness problem and that emptiness problem was fixed by god so we saw the details of how he fixed the emptiness problem he fills the sea with life he fills the land with the animals he fills the air with birds So we have a description of the creation in the first verse of Genesis, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and then describes for us this intermediate stage in that creation where God did not have to have it that way, and he didn't have to call it out to it, but he's God, so he had it that way, and he called it out to us. And because there's an important lesson for us to learn, 
Very important. And that intermediate step that he designed during the creation of the time when the world was a terrible place of disorder, emptiness, and darkness. And now we understand why that was so important for us to know that detail. Why the creation of the earth went through that sort of like, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, part when it was so terrible. Because it was so important for us to see God fixed it. And that history and its history of how God fixes problem was very important for one person in particular to know, and his name was Adam. It was very important for Adam to know that because Adam soon, in chapter 3, soon is going to sin and he's going to be responsible for introducing into his life terrible new problems of death and being bound for hell, the eternal place of death. He'll lose his order in his life. He'll lose the purpose in his life. He'll feel this emptiness because he will be empty, because he's alienated from God, and he's going to be alienated from his wife as well. With all those problems that were all too great for Adam to handle, Adam would sit down and say, what's a guy supposed to do? when he's in a fix like this. And because of the detail of the creation of the world in that terrible state of being without order and empty and darkness and how God fixed it, Adam can say, wait a minute, I remember how the world had problems and how God fixed it. I'll go to God to fix my problems. So remember how we talked about in Genesis 1, or this Genesis 1 and 2, how the whole creation was God preparing the earth for man. He prepared, you need air, we're going to give you air. You need food, we'll give you food. You need, you know, something to make it so you can keep your calendar, we'll make it that way. Everything was God preparing, preparing, preparing for man. Well, God also saw that man was going to have a big terribleness in his life. So he said, hold it, stop. When we make the earth, we're going to make the earth to have a terrible situation of disorder and and emptiness and darkness. And then we're going to show how I fixed it. Because Adam's going to need this. He's going to need to go to me. I'm the go-to person to fix things. So he does it that way. And then Adam eventually did that. He allowed God to fix him by closing him with the skins of the sacrificed animals. So That little detail about the world being in a state of terribleness was not only for Adam, it's for us. It's for us as well. Because like Adam, in the world in its intermediate stage is a picture of our lives. Like when the world was a terrible place because of disorder, that's us. Our personal sin made our lives terrible because it caused no order. And we knew we had no purpose in life because we had no purpose in life. Because sin separated us from our purpose, which is God. And like when the world was a terrible place because it was an empty place, that separation from God caused us to feel empty because we were empty. And we felt that way. And when the world was a terrible place because of darkness, we sin caused us to grope around in life in the darkness, no light. But the world got fixed by God. And so we turned to God, and then he fixed us. And we turned to God because he first turned to us. Because we loved God because he first loved us. That's what it says in 1 John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. And so God first turning to us before we turn to God. God loving us before we love God. That's the picture of how the world got fixed. It was only after the Spirit of God turned to the world and hovered, rakafed over the world in its terribleness. And that's what we saw in verse 2, God hovering over the world in its terribleness. 
And why did God hover or rakaf over the world in his terribleness? God hovered over the world in his terribleness because God cares. He hates terribleness. He cares. He cares about this terrible state. Why? Because care is the nature of God. And God hovered over the earth in his terribleness because God wanted to fix the terribleness. Because wanting to fix what is terrible is the nature of God. And so that's why God hovered over the world in his terribleness. And in the same way as God hovered over the world in his terribleness, God hovered over us in our terribleness of our sins. And what was God doing when he was hovering over each one of us in our lost state? By hovering over each one of us, God was saying about each one of us, I hate the terrible condition that I see in this person and that person. By hovering over each one of us, God was saying about each one of us, I hate, I hate, there's no purpose in that life. And hovering over each one of us, God is saying about each one of us, I hate that there is that great emptiness in that heart. And by hovering over each one of us, God is saying about each one of us, I hate the darkness in that heart. So just as God is the go-to person to fix those problems on the earth, just as when Adam agreed to make God his go-to person to fix the problems, eventually Adam did. It was a little hard process, but that's okay. But just as when Adam did that, what God did is that he took Adam to a place of slaughter and he killed animals to clothe Adam. So when we each make God, we made God, our go-to person to fix the problems of no purpose, of emptiness and darkness in our lives, what did God do? He took us to a place of slaughter called Calvary and showed us a cross where he fixed the root problems by dying himself for our sins that caused our separation, that resulted in our purposelessness, emptiness, and darkness. We went to God as the repairer of our broken lives, and that's what all of that is about when we this intermediate step that God had in the creation of the world. But the reason the earth was fixed from its terrible problems, no order and emptiness and darkness, was because the Spirit of God hovered over the earth. And that hovering showed a great interest of God, a great interest. He was greatly interested. And so he's hovering. And the hovering of the Spirit of God over the earth was a detail that we need to know because we need to see, we need to see that the hover is a hover of interest. And we need to see that the hover is a hover of care. And it shows how God gravitates toward what interests him. It shows how God's hover is a hover of interest. And the hover of interest, that provides for us a pattern for how we study the Bible. So you're just wondering why I was saying all this, right? So why we're we spending so much time in Genesis 15.1. Because it's something of great interest to us. So like God, we're hovering over these verses. <laughs> That's what we've been doing. Okay, so now you understand that part. That's good. All right, so now, we're looking again, and we're thinking here of God's statement to Abraham. We're imagining Abraham in our minds, and Abraham hears God say, I am thy shield. I am thy shield. And Abraham's thinking to himself, oh, can you imagine that? He himself is my shield. That's something. He didn't say, and Abraham's sitting there thinking, you know, he didn't say he was going to provide for me a lot of shields to protect me, or he's going to send shields to protect me, but he said that he himself would be my shield. Now, 
Abraham looks at his shield, and he says, you know, the shield that I've been using, it's got a little bit of wear and tear on it, as we talked about, right? And I can already see that, you know, one of these days, I'm going to have to go down to the shield store. <laughs> Abraham's saying, got to go down to the shield store because this thing's going to wear out, <laughs> and it won't be any good anymore. And so maybe Abraham's looking over his shield, and he thinks about that. And then he maybe he's looking over his shield, and he thinks, well, maybe I can fix it up a little bit and repair it. I mean, it's pretty damaged. I mean, look at all these slashes and these stabs and these dagger marks, you know, so it's not as good as it used to be. And, but, you know, maybe I could put a few more layers of that toughened, dried goat skin that we used to eat. But anyway, over those damaged parts, you know. And, and so Abraham comes to the conclusion that, you know, there's only so much repair that you can do on this old shield, and pretty soon I'm going to have to throw it in the pile with the other old shields. Maybe there was a pile, I don't know, and go to the shield store. But that pretty soon part in Abraham, as he thinks about that, really impresses upon Abraham how this is a temporal shield, and it's going to wear out. And Abraham has just heard God say that he is his shield. And Abraham thinks, you know, God said to me that she is my shield. And since God is eternal... That means that God is going to be my eternal shield. You know, Abraham knew that God was eternal, and so he thinks the eternal God is my shield. That means that I have an eternal shield. So Abraham, he was afraid. He says he's afraid. So he says, one thing I always worry about, not just today, but I worry about tomorrow. But since God is eternal, that means he's going to protect me for all my tomorrows. That means God's going to protect me in this life, and God's going to protect me in the next life also. Are there any dangers in heaven? Are there any dangers in heaven with God? Well, you could ask Lucifer that question. He got in a lot of trouble when he was in heaven, is with God. He fell into the greatest danger. He succumbed to pride, and he became Satan. And Satan, so Satan was in, Lucifer before he became Satan, was in great danger in that life, in the next life. And so what will protect us in heaven with God when we're with God? What's going to protect us from danger? The fact that God has promised to be our eternal shield. You know, turn, if you would, to an important verse in John 14, John 14, 16. It's an important verse, John 14, 16, because of the last phrase. It's all important, but especially the last phrase is important because it says this. I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. That's an important phrase, that he may abide with you forever. And, you know, we think, well, I sure am glad I have the Holy Spirit down here on earth because I need him down here. There's a lot of dangers down here on earth. I mean, I really need the Holy Spirit to lead me, to guide me, and keep me out of trouble. But when I get to heaven, I don't think I'm going to need him anymore in heaven because everything is safe up there. Yes, sir, when I get to heaven, I'm going to buy a brand new pair of shoes and walk around. And I won't need the Holy Spirit anymore. So when I get to heaven, I'll be able to say to the Holy Spirit, thanks, thanks, Holy Spirit, for keeping me down here on earth. I won't be needing you anymore up here. So farewell, good friend, right? But that's not true. That's not true. We need the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and keep us out of trouble now. And we'll need him throughout eternity to lead us and guide us and keep it out of trouble. And if God doesn't know that, if my wife dies first, she's going to tell him. (laughs) She's going to say to him, you know, look, I know how much trouble he can get in. Don't take the Holy Spirit away from him. Or you have a lot of trouble in heaven. So when Abraham hears God say, I am thy shield, Abraham is hearing God say, I am thy, I, the eternal God, am thy eternal shield. And so Abraham thinks, for all my life, 
and throughout all eternity, God is and will be my eternal shield to protect me from whatever dangers come whenever. That brings a whole new light to Ephesians 4.30 where it says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God because, you know, we're not going to say goodbye to him when we get to heaven. So we're gonna, he's going to be with us for eternity. So we should be on good relationship. Another great day of studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Now, today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor by going to our online bookstore and our website located at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Or you can call us for more information at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, is the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. And to learn more about Jewish evangelism or obtain free resources or send a free gospel gift from Tom Cantor to your lost Jewish friend, visit IsraelRestoration.org, IsraelRestoration.org. Thanks for listening to Friendship with God with Tom Cantor. What are you doing this Thursday? Come to the Creation Earth History Museum in Santee, California at 6.30 p.m. for our Thursday night Bible study and fellowship. Our Bible study happens every Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. This Thursday, we'll study the truth of the Bible, science, and compare that to the life and work of Charles Darwin. We'll have expert guest speakers from the Southern California Seminary with Dr. John Baumgartner and Dr. Christopher Cohn and Dr. Kenneth Cumming, who will join our Creation and Earth History Museum staff as we study the truth of the Bible, science, and compare that to the life and work of Charles Darwin. Bring an atheist or unbeliever to the Bible study and fellowship and join us this Thursday at 6.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California, off Woodside Avenue North. Call us for more information. 619-599-1104. 619-599-1104. Or go online to creationsd.org. That's creationsd.org. Creationsd.org.